You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super-duper successful. So the quote that we're going to start today's show with is, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. Let me repeat this because this is such an important quote. You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. And that's from John C. Maxwell. The title of today's show is Change Your Habits, Change Your Life. Three steps to creating new habits. All right, all right. I want to thank all of you for listening. want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen to not only this show, but any of the previous episodes, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com. If you have access to Apple iTunes, you could search for me in the podcast section. Just do a search for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour. And if you do listen to it on iTunes, please rate it and leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. All right. For all my Listeners in the United States, I have a daily message service that sends out a motivational, inspirational message every single morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get those messages for free, all you have to do is text the letters BBD to 411247. That's B as in boy, B as in boy, dog, to 411247, and you'll get those messages for free. If we're not friends on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Starr, M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R, or Facebook.com slash The Real Mark Starr. On Instagram, it's at Coach Mark Speaks. So make sure you find me on those platforms because I put out daily motivational videos, all right? So you can check those out every single day. And if you have not downloaded my book, you can download it for free at www.repeataftermebook.com. All right, let's go ahead. We got an amazing show today, so let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one, Phil Romano. Now, Phil is a first-generation Italian-American from Auburn, New York. His father was an electrician with a sixth-grade education, and his mother was a housewife. When it was time for Phil to go to college, he moved to Boca Raton, Florida, and attended Florida Atlantic University. While in school, Phil was in the Army Reserves and got into martial arts to keep in shape. Fascinated with martial arts, Phil set up two karate schools that were making $20,000 a year. Now, one day, the father of a student said he needed a partner for his restaurant business. Phil saw the opportunity and figured it was right for him to get into. He sold his karate schools and dropped out of college six credit hours short of graduating to open a restaurant in North Palm Beach. Now, Phil's philosophy is that if you give people more than they need, you will make twice as much profit. Let me repeat that. If you give people more than they need, you will make twice as much profit. His partner thought the opposite. So important that you make sure that when you partner with people, you partner with people that have the same vision and morals as you. Now, Phil knew he had to buy him out, but he didn't have the money to do it. His dad mortgaged his home and gave Phil the money to buy out his partner. 
Phil was now terrified that he may lose his parents' money and that fear of failure motivated him to make the business a success and that fear of failure still motivates him today. Now, he didn't want to let his parents down as they entrusted him with their money. After he took over the restaurant, the restaurant took off and he ended up opening four or five more in Florida. Phil always knew that he had to have his own business as he didn't like taking orders from anyone else. Now, a few years after he opened the restaurants, the economy started going down, so Phil decided to sell off his restaurants and move to San Antonio, where he launched three fine dining places. Then he decided to open a restaurant that he knew that he could grow. He figured that he would open a burger place for adults where they could see the meat being ground and smell the buns being baked. Phil thought that he could charge $3.25, the most ever for a burger at that time. He decided that he would call the restaurant Fuddruckers. His banker didn't think it would work and refused to finance him, but he went with the idea anyway. It was 1980, and Phil needed $150,000, so he sold 10 shares of his new business at $15,000 for each share. He sold these shares to his customers, which made up 48% of the company, Phil owned the other 52% of the company. The business took off, and in 1983, Phil took the company public. Each of the $15,000 investments became worth $3.4 million. Now, after Phil took his company public, everyone wanted to give their input on how the restaurant should be ran. Since Phil was naive, he listened to them and expanded the menu and changed the decor of the restaurant. All of these changes took away from the original concept of the restaurant, and in 1986, Phil sold his majority interest in Fuddruckers. Shortly after selling his interest in Fuddruckers, he decided to open an Italian restaurant that was close to his house near a town called Leon Springs. This became the start of Romano's Macaroni Grill. A year after opening Macaroni Grill, Phil sold the franchise rights of the company to Brinker Corporation, and he made $23 million after one year. After one year of starting Macaroni Grill, he was able to sell the franchise rights for $23 million. Now, after selling Macaroni Grill, Phil became a consultant and created different restaurant concepts, including Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, Kazi Mel's, Eatsy's Market and Bakery, and a few others. Although Phil had a lot of success, he has surely had his fair share of failures. He started a high-end men's clothing store in Texas, and the company would end up failing, and Phil lost $700,000. He also opened up a seafood restaurant called Lobster Ranch, which would end up closing after six months, costing Phil $600,000. Now, even with these failures, something inside Phil always told him that when he falls to get up, dust off, and move on to the next challenge with a positive attitude. Now, when Phil turned 50, doctors found a malignant lymphoma on the side of his appendix. After that, he realized that everyone has an expiration date. He became very prolific and decided he wouldn't wait to do things and he would do everything immediately. Phil is not only a restaurant investor, as he is one of the owners of Eatsy's, as well as developed concept restaurants. Phil also invested $250,000 in two doctors who invented the coronary stint. They would eventually sell their invention to Johnson & Johnson. The sale of the invention 
made Phil and the doctors $600 million. Now, years later, Phil would end up getting two of the stents in his own heart. Phil says that the first phase of his life was about making money. In the second phase, he was doing things for social recognition. In his third phase, he wants to make a difference for others. He wants to know he uses life to make a difference. Let's now take a look at Phil's four ingredients for a successful business. Number one, responsibility. Do the right things and be responsible for what you don't do right. Number two, communication. Tell people how you feel and make your opinions known. Ask your customers and employees what they think. Number three, love of God, patriotism, and charity. Make your brand stand for something. And number four, integrity. Honesty comes first in everything. Let's look at some of the key points in this story. Number one, when Phil got into the restaurant business, he knew nothing about cooking. He never even worked in a restaurant until he actually owned one. So we don't always have to be a master of something to get started in a particular business. A lot of times people think that, oh, you have to have mastered it. You have to have been in that business for 10, 20 years. This guy had never, ever worked in a restaurant before. Number two, Phil's philosophy is if you give people more than they need, you'll make twice as much profit. Now, Phil's partner didn't share the same philosophy, so Phil had to buy him out. And as soon as he did, the business soared and he was able to open up five more restaurants. Very important to make sure that you partner with people that have the same visions as you. If not, you're going to have a problem. Number three, when Phil couldn't get the financing to start Fuddruckers because the bankers didn't believe in the idea, he sold 10 shares of the company at $15,000 each to some of his customers, which made up 48% of the company. He owned the other 52%. Now, three years later, in 1983, when they did an IPO and the company went public, each of those $15,000 investments became worth $3.4 million. A lot of people always talk about they don't have the money to start their idea. Well, that's a phenomenal thing that Phil did. He said, you know what? I need $150,000. If I can get 10 people to give me $15,000, that will be my $150,000. And that's exactly what he did. And that's how he was able to get his money, even though the bankers didn't believe in what it was that he was doing. And guess what? That $15,000 that those people invested ended up turning into $3.4 million in three years. Number four, although Phil has had many successes, he has also had quite a few failures. He lost $700,000 when he started a high-end men's clothing store. He also lost $600,000 when a seafood restaurant that he opened shut down after six months. Now, despite these setbacks, something inside Phil would always tell him to get back up, dust off, and move on to the next challenge with a positive attitude. And number five, when Phil turned 50, he found out that he had lymphoma cancer. He realized that every one of us has an expiration date. Even though we tend to think that we're invincible, we will all leave Earth at some time. So don't put off doing the things that you need to be doing. I think that's the biggest lesson. So many of us say, you know what, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, we don't know when our expiration date is going to run out. So why put it off? Get started right away. Profile number two, Brian Smith. 
Now, the day Brian graduated from school as an accountant, he quit his profession and decided that he wanted to go into business for himself. Brian is from Australia, and he realized that all of the cool retail trends were coming out of California, so he decided that he would pack up everything, leave Australia, and come to California to find the next big thing to bring back to Australia. Now, for the first month, Brian looked for his big idea and found nothing but some good ways to surf. Now, after three months in California and a whole lot of surfing, Brian still hadn't found his big idea when one of his buddies brought him the latest copy of Surfer magazine. Now, inside was an advertisement for sheepskin boots. Now, when he saw the ad, he instantly felt goosebumps all over his body. He knew that almost every Australian owned some sort of sheepskin footwear and there were none in America. Isn't that amazing? He came to America looking for his idea to bring back to Australia and then ended up finding out that his idea was in Australia and he would eventually bring it to America. Now, because Brian knew that California and Australia were very similar, he thought he was going to be an overnight success. Brian got a $500 loan and imported six pairs of boots as samples. Brian took the samples around to all of the surf shops, and everyone loved the boots. He then registered UGG as a trademark and prepared himself to be an instant millionaire. Now, Brian got a $20,000 loan from family and friends and put in an order for 500 pairs of shoes. Now, once he got his order in, he went back to all the surf shops, and everyone had excuses as to why they didn't want to buy them. Now, during his first year, he sold 28 pairs out of 500. He made a little over $1,000 the first year, a lot short of him becoming a millionaire like he thought he was. Now, during his second year, he started going to swap meets and street fairs and would go to Malibu Beach with all of his inventory loaded in the back of his van and sell to anyone that passed by his van. Word of mouth started to spread, and Brian got new customers every day. During his second year, he sold about $5,000 worth of boots, a lot short of that million dollars he thought he was going to make. During his third year, he decided that he would advertise, so he found some models and did a photo shoot on the beach. He ran the ad in Surfer Magazine, and the sales went up to $10,000. This is after three years now. This guy's only making $10,000 a year. Now, Brian was super disappointed as he thought that he would have become a millionaire in the first year. He then decided to hire a better photographer and more attractive models. In that fourth year, sales went up a little bit to $15,000 to $20,000. Again, Brian was frustrated and he was ready to quit. One evening, while having a beer with a buddy of his who was a surf shop owner, Brian was venting about his frustration. The surf shop owner found some young surfers and asked them what they thought about Uggs. They said that Uggs were so fake because their models weren't real surfers. Instantly, Brian knew that he was sending the wrong image to his target market. Within a couple of days, he found some young surfers that were about to turn pro. Instead of paying a photographer, Brian took his camera and took the surfers surfing and took pictures of them walking in the Uggs. He ran the ads the following October, November, and December, and the sales went to $200,000 purely because he matched the image of what he wanted his customers to buy into the ads. Now, for the next 12 years, Brian built UGG up until he was able to sell the business to Decca Brands in 1995 for $14.6 million. Now, Decca Brands continued to grow UGGs into an international brand. 
Ugg currently sells over $1.8 billion worth of shoes every single year. This is the shoe company that Brian started with $500, where for the first three or four years, he wasn't making more than five or $10,000. All it took for him to do was match the image of his shoe to the consumer, to what the consumer wanted. And soon as he did that, the business ended up taking off. So a lot of us may have some business that we're doing or some product, and maybe we're just marketing it the wrong way. Maybe we're not getting the right image of what our product is to the customer. Now, we might see our product in whatever light we want to see it in, but maybe the customer isn't seeing it in the right light. So one small change. One small change could be the difference between you selling five dollars to $10,000 worth of your product a year and selling $200,000, $400,000, or eventually turning your product into a $1.8 billion product. Let's now take a look at some of the lessons that we can learn from Brian's journey of developing Uggs to the massive giant that it is today. Number one. Brian says to find something you can do better than anyone else and follow it. You can help but to succeed if you do that. Number two, if you don't wake up most of the time energized and inspired to go to work, maybe you should be looking for another field to find your passion. Number three, wealth is not a natural gift. It results from labor, knowledge, and organization. Number four, you don't have to know exactly where you're going before you start. Just start and you will work it out along the way. Most people fail because they don't take any action. Number five, don't let your business plan projections scare you. Go through your business template and work out what obstacles will be in the way and work out if you're willing to face these challenges along the way. Number six, live in the moment. Don't be frustrated if you aren't where you want to be. The quickest way for a tadpole to grow into a frog is to be happy and enjoy who you are in the moment, knowing that you will grow into something bigger and better in the future. And number seven, very important number seven, entrepreneurs have to have a little bit of ignorance. Brian says that if he would have known about all the barriers and obstacles that he would have faced, he would have either not started or possibly given up. Going in blind forces entrepreneurs to believe in their product no matter what hardships they come up against. Now, before we can successfully change our habits, we need to first understand what habits are. According to the dictionary, habits are routine behaviors done on a regular basis. They are recurrent and often unconscious patterns of behavior and are acquired through frequent repetition. Now, many of these are unconscious as most times we don't even realize that we are doing them. In his book, The Power of Habit, and I strongly recommend this book, it's called The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg describes a simple three-step process that all habits follow. This cycle is known as the habit loop. The habit loop says that each habit has three components. Number one, the trigger, or you may call it the reminder or the cue. This is the event that starts the habit. The second part is the routine. This is the behavior that you perform, the habit itself. And the third part is the reward, the benefit that is associated with the behavior. Let me give you a few examples of how this works. Number one, the traffic light turns green. 
This would be the reminder or the cue or the trigger. Number two, you then drive through the intersection. This would be the action you take, the routine, or you may look at it as the habit itself. And number three, because you drive through the intersection, you are now closer to your destination. This is the reward. Let me share with you another example. Your phone rings. This is the reminder that initiates the behavior. The ring acts as a trigger or a cue to tell you to answer the phone. It is the prompt that starts the behavior. You answer the phone. This is the actual behavior. When your phone rings, you go to answer it. And three, you find out who is calling. This is the reward. The reward is the benefit gained from doing the behavior. You wanted to find out why the person on the other end was calling you and discovering that piece of information is the reward for completing the habit. Now, if the reward is positive, then you'll want to repeat the routine again the next time the reminder happens. If you repeat the same action enough times, it becomes a habit. Now, every habit follows this basic three-step structure. Let's now look at how we can use this three-step structure to create new habits and actually stick to them. Step number one, set a reminder for your new habit. Now, many people feel that the only way to start a new habit is to exercise self-control or to build up their willpower. But as we all know, this doesn't work. This just isn't the case. Getting yourself super motivated or trying to remember the new habit usually isn't the best method. Now, a good reminder does not rely on motivation and it does not require you to remember to do your new habit. A good reminder makes it easy to start by encoding your new behavior in something that you already do. So let me give you an example of this. Let's say you want to create a new habit of flossing by always doing it after you brush your teeth. The act of brushing your teeth is something that you already do and can also act as the reminder to do the new behavior of flossing. Another reminder that you could use or that you can also set could be to place a bowl filled with pre-made flossers in it next to your toothbrush so that every time that you reach for your toothbrush, you see the floss. Setting up a visible reminder and linking a new habit with a current behavior makes it much easier to change. There's no need to motivate yourself or no need to remember. Regardless of what area you want to create a new habit in, this system makes it much more easier to start. Now let's take a look at a few ways that you can use to choose your reminder for your new habit. Now one of the best ways to discover good reminders for your new habits is to write down two lists. In the first list, what you're gonna do is write down things that you do each day without fail. For example, take a shower, put on your shoes, brush your teeth, flush the toilet, sit down for dinner, turn the lights off or on, or get in or out of bed. So let me give you an example. Every morning after I wake up and turn the lights on, I automatically meditate and then practice my breathing exercises. So waking up would be the cue. Soon as I wake up, my mind, the first thing I think about is, okay, it's time to do meditation. So meditation would be the routine, right? That would be the habit. And then the reward is after I do it, my body feels good. In the second list, write down things that happen to you each day without fail. Let me give you some examples. Traffic light turns red. You get a text message. A commercial comes on TV. You're listening to a song and the song ends. 
or the sun sets. These things generally happen every single day. Now, here's another example. Let's say that you want to feel happier. So you say that every time you're at a traffic light that turns red, you will focus and think about two things that you are grateful for. Now, the red light, that's the cue. You practicing the gratitude, thinking about two things that you're grateful for, that's the routine or the habit. And then the reward is that you feel good after. All right? So this is a simple way that we can use this system to develop the habit of practicing gratitude. Step number two, choose a habit that's easy to start. It's easy for us to get caught up in the desire to make massive changes in our lives, but we have to remember that lasting change is a product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. If you want to start a new habit, ask yourself, how can I make this new behavior so easy to do that I can't say no? Step number three, celebrate. It's imperative that we celebrate. We always want to continue to do things that make us feel good because an action needs to be repeated for it to become a habit. It's very important that you reward yourself each time you practice your new habit. For example, if you're working towards a new fitness goal, then you may tell yourself at the end of the workout, good job, or today I did good. I made progress today. You can also say to yourself, victory or success each time you do your new habit. Now make sure to give yourself some credit and enjoy each success. Remember that this is a process, but if you continue to do it, you will wire it into your brain and you will automatically perform the new habit without even thinking about it. Now there's so much that we didn't cover today, such as the best new habits to start in our lives. So we will go over these next week in part two. All right, well, that's all that we have for today's show. Man, was today's show an absolutely amazing show. Want to remind you, you can go back and re-listen to this show or any of the previous shows by going to my website, www.powerhh.com, all right? Search for me under the podcast section in Apple iTunes. For those of you that have Apple iTunes, just do a search for Coach Mark or Power in a Half Hour and make sure you leave a comment and rate the podcast. I would love that. I would really, really, really appreciate that. Now, share this with three friends. Now, I know we got three friends that probably have some bad habits, just as we do, and want to implement some great habits into their lives. So make sure you share this with them, all right? And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, habit is either the best of servants or the worst of masters. I love this. Habit is either the best of servants or the worst of masters. And that's from Nathaniel Emmons. Thank you much. And until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Starr. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week.